If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of sighs guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15, discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Kurt, another week, another PBT extra. How are you doing? How was your weekend? Hey. Pretty mellow, actually. Pretty pretty chill. I, I try to stay in. I actually try to go to fewer games and do a little bit less before I leave for All-Star for a few days. And so just been chilling at home. What about you? What have you been up to? The Super Bowl. I um, yeah. I went to the Met four times last week. And <laughs> I've been trying so hard to find new areas of inspiration. Because, you know, like I, you know, Kurt, I go to the Met like all the time. Yeah. The Metropolitan Museum of Art here in New York. So like, I, I kind of know it like the back of my hand i was walking through the european painting section and i was like oh that's a new sketch oh they redid this wall they rehung this room <laughs> it's like that level but uh yeah so it's it's kind of like i'm trying to to find inspiration in the discipline of looking at art consistently and um so i, I did that and then i watched the super bowl yeah it was uh yeah i was at a party for that as well and uh yeah even in the room that last that last call led to a controversy. We I don't think we need to go down that road necessarily, but no, nope, let's not. Man. Let's not. You know what's interesting though? So now it's uh, I was walking around today in Queens where I live, and I um the weather, Kurt, it just hit me. You know, sometimes you have like those visceral memories. Yeah. I, I was it was like sunny, maybe 50, 60 degrees, and after being so cold for so long, it felt like pre-summer, and I wow. was like uh, instantly brought back to Notre Dame after like the permacloud because you know like the sun yeah. doesn't shine for six months there so like it was like this permacloud layer and then every like March the sun comes out and I remember when I was walking to training one time I was walking to the Goog where the football team practices I think it was it was so sunny and I was wearing corduroys and like a hoodie and I was like, man, it is so hot outside. Oh my gosh, it's so hot. I started taking off my hoodie. And I was wearing a t-shirt and kids were like students were tanning on the quads and i was like oh man it's just so hot i'm sweating i looked at my 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 phone 30 degrees <laughs> <laughs> it felt like that today i was like man i got that thick blood again at 30 degrees sunny is the tanning weather people are on the quads tanning that's how i feel that's all people in the park here in queens outside like laying out it was like same kind of feeling there's there's something about being in a cold weather city the first day it warms up and into spring when Literally everybody just gets outside. I was lucky enough with my wife while we were on vacation. We were in Dublin during one of those. Like we landed in Dublin after weeks of rain and and being in cloud. Like the sun came out and the whole city is out. Like everybody just has to get outside. And it's it's a great energy when that happens. It's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. Okay, speaking of sun, you know what (laughs) happened. You know what happened, Kurt. Uh, Kevin Durant is now a Phoenix Sun First and foremost, what was your first reaction to that news? Because we we talked, you know, yeah. offline about some potential landing spots, and I, I saw a report that Phoenix was in it. And then, like the next day, it was done deal. What was your first reaction when you saw the news? I was surprised it happened that fast because everyone I talked to around the league said, 
oh, he's gone. Like when, once the Kyrie Irving thing happened, everybody's like, yeah, he's going to go. Like he's not lasting. But as many players and as many picks and frankly, exactly what the Suns gave up to get him. But when you do that, that's I mean, rarely ever happens at the deadlines. That's a summer thing because of raw, you know, you can bring in more players on the roster and you, the new caps and then is higher. It just makes life easier. So I was surprised it to see it happen at the deadline, to see it happen that quickly. I, I thought that was a summer thing and credit to my first, I was like credit to the new owner, Matt Ishbia. He'd been, he'd owned the team for less than 48 hours and he pulled that off. That is, that is um, next level. I'm going to make a splash when I buy this team stuff. Now, it was unbelievable. And it, uh, Corey, I, I'm curious your thoughts, because does this now make them contenders in the West? No, I, um, I don't wow. think so. I, um, before I tell you why, though, let, let me kind of go back a little bit. Um, and once again, just to reiterate my point, this is my stance. And to date, I firmly stand on this ground that I think anyone who comes out of the East is going to win it. I don't think, yeah. you know, anyone who comes out of the West, I don't really think has a chance. So that's what I mean is I don't think this makes the Suns. I don't think they can beat the Celtics or the Bucks in a seven-game series. I, uh, you know? I, I, I agree with you, uh, although I think there is the, if we get there, there's a puncher's chance. Situation. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I get you. But, but yes, I, I, look, the, I would yeah. say the three best teams are in the West, East right now. I, I exactly. have Philly above everybody. Yeah. Exactly. So 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 let's go back here. My my first reaction when I saw the news was similar to yours. I was thinking I, I immediately went back to Rudy Gobert. Because remember, he was the one who kind of set the stage of well, what exactly could Kevin Durant be worth? Yeah. And because they like when Minnesota got Rudy Gobert, you and I looked at that like pirate ship worth of like picks and all the tra- the players. I was like, man, if this is what Rudy Gobert is worth. What in the world? You're gonna to have to give up the franchise. You're gonna to have to give up coaches, GMs. You're gonna to have to give up like training support yeah. staff, like medical trainers. Everyone's gonna to have to go for Kevin Durant. And then we see this moment where trade deadline happens so fast. And I honestly think the Suns. I mean, clearly they won because they got Kevin Durant. Yes. But they really, really punched above their weight on the, in this trade. I mean, it's crazy what they got Kevin Durant for, given that you know, given where he what he's playing, you know, the quality of level he's playing. And I, I think Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson once again they. It reminds me of the Spurs with DeJounte Murray. They got they traded DeJounte, I think, at the peak of his trade value as an all-star, right? And I think that Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges were kind of traded at the peak, you know, where, like, yeah. I don't know if they're going to become – like, I, I saw that Brooklyn Nets game. Ben Simmons was on the bench, coming off the bench, and all, the, like, the, the, the signage, all the graphics for television, everything was, like, our guys, Cam, Brid- Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges. And I'm like, whoa. One, that's an indictment on Ben Simmons. And two, this is not sustainable. Cam and Mikel are not franchise players. So I, I think that the Suns really won there, but I don't think it's going to win them a championship this year. I think, look, the Suns move into contention could have come out of the West. I, I think it's them and Denver now. And Denver, I know. Denver, I have seen. Like, yeah, they're being up now. Jamal Murray's out. But they've four, four and a half, five games ahead of everybody in the West right now. They're going to get the top seed. We know how good Nikola Jokic is. They with if Murray and Porter are healthy and, and they've got good depth. I mean they they they've got KCP and they look they're just they're they've got depth all around that team now. They're good. The Suns are theoretically better, but I've got questions about their health and then their defense. What is this whole thing going to look like? And can you build? I think this is the hard thing. 
can you build and I think it applies to the Clippers, it applies to some other teams. Can you build enough good habits and chemistry and develop quickly enough in a, basically a third of the season left to compete with a team where in Denver's case, while they've been without injuries, they've been with the same system and a pretty consistent group for years now. It's hard, I think, to reach that level of instinctual play with each other and just knowing how to go without more without more game time. Yes, I completely agree. This is my biggest issue with these midseason add-ons is people think that it's going to be like, okay, we, we add someone mid-year and then we're going to go on a tear. We're going to go on this run. you know. But the, the reality is that the NBA is a war of attrition, you know, and, and and it's one of those things where you just play too many games. You just play too many games. There are just too many games on the schedule um, to just think that, okay, we're going to go on this 30 game run or go on this 40 game run or whatever, and just be able to figure it out. They're, they're just too many games. You're right. I think chemistry does win out. And I think we've seen that where you have some really good teams and it doesn't have to be chemistry for eight years or six years, just like, I think a full season. Like I, I think as long as you have a full season, I, I think the mid-year add-ons for me, and we can get into this when we, when we talk about this later in the, in the show, the most successful mid-year add-ons are not the splashes. I think they're actually the, the yeah. pieces around the edges, right? Like, okay, you know, you get this great shooter. That's exactly what we needed. Or you got a great defensive ad. That's what we needed. Rim protection. That's what we needed. You know, yeah. like, we got a point guard who could distribute to our stars. That's what we needed. I, I, everything else, when you think, okay, we're going to get a new franchise player or a new number two or a new number three, that to me is that's shaky ground. Yeah, the 2004 Pistons adding Wallace. And just all of a sudden, like, oh, that's it. We're now, like, an, an elite-level defensive team with this guy. But it doesn't change that Chauncey Billups and, and like, the guys who ran that show were, were – Playing at that level, right? Like, and then with Kevin Durant, you got to ask yourself, okay, who's in charge? Obviously, in my opinion, I understand Chris Paul. It's probably Chris Paul's team. It's just, yeah. Yeah, you know, I get that. I, I do think, and this is my issue with the Suns doing this now, is that I think Devin Booker is a little too young. And mm-hmm. and I think, because Devin Booker is the man. <laughs> like, yeah. like, make no mistake. Like, this guy is a baller. Like, so for me, like, he's easily in that conversation you know, of like legit franchise players like to be, you know, so, but he's a little young, I think. And so I, I don't know where Kevin Durant fits in. Where does he fit in? Yeah. I, I think that's a really good question because you were saying, we were saying, talking about this before, obviously he isn't playing yet. He won't be playing until after all-star. Um, you watch them right now. It's heavy pick and roll um, with either Chris Paul and Devin Booker, by the way, that's a really nice pick and roll combo when they do yeah, they don't they, they save that one for moments, but Aiton sets a lot of the picks and then rolls to the right. Like they they have kind of a system that works. And on one hand, you don't necessarily need to run a lot of pick and roll for Kevin Durant because you don't necessarily frankly, you don't want to bring the second defender up. Like he's just better in isolation. He's he's an unstoppable. He's seven feet tall and has that release over his head that can fall from three or mid-range. They're gonna be a I think they're a slightly better playoff team maybe than regular season team, Corey, because of Booker, Paul, and Durant are all mid-range killers. They're all like, – those are the shots you're going to get in the postseason, and they're all deadly from there. Yeah. I, I do think with this – there's so many questions that I have. You know, with the one, the chemistry, it seemed like there were cracks in the armor in Phoenix last year. Yeah. 
when Jay Crowder wanted out and the whole saga with DeAndre Aiden, it's like, wait, you draft this guy so high and he wants out, he doesn't feel appreciated. There's, you know, there's, it seems like there were fractions. And I understand, you know, the, the, the drumbeat coming out of that locker room was we're all together, we're figuring this out. But there are moments where we're thinking the lip sync isn't there. It's yeah. like, like the old kung fu movies, like you're saying this, but your lips are like four seconds behind. I'm like, I don't know if I believe you. Uh, and now with the addition of Kevin Durant, clearly Kevin Durant is like, you know, he's one of the alphas, right? So you have, I, I mean, what do you think the, the addition of that veteran leadership does to that locker room? I, I am, that is, I think, the other thing. And I think, by the way, having Monty Williams as coach helps here. One yeah, of these yeah. Yeah. yeah, certainly. Um, if you're going to win, and I, I, the easiest example for me is always kind of the LeBron James super team in Miami. If you're going to win, other players, everyone has to sacrifice a little. In Miami, it was less – I mean, that was probably peak LeBron James. So Chris Bosh overhauls his game and becomes a three-point shooter and pick setter and defensive force from a guy who was a 20-10 and 10 guy in Toronto before that. Dwayne Wade has to sacrifice his parts of his game and give – are the Suns ready for that? I think Chris Paul is. Is, is a young is a young Devin Booker more interestingly, Corey? Is DeAndre Ayton ready to kind of set picks, defend, roll to the rim, and be option number four? Yeah, I, I when I watch him, this was my big frustration. When he first came out, I was thinking, man, like he should be better, right? And, and then he got better. Then Chris Paul came in, and then I was like, okay, this is great. Like DeAndre Ayton is playing what I thought, like the way that I thought he could. But he still was a little immature, yeah. and then um, I think now he's just kind of clicked in. And I and I watched him last night, um, and I think he's made a huge leap again. And so that's the one thing I, I will say about DeAndre Aiden is I love the way he matures. He he plays like a grown man now, and I think m- m- like mentally he's also matured. Um, so I wouldn't be as concerned about that. I, but I will say. You know, going into the season and all the whole deal that he wanted and trying to like shop around and test his free agency market, I, I will say that I think, you know, his camp is that's where I'm kind of confused, you know, is well, obviously it's your agent's job to get you the biggest deal. And being the fourth option in Phoenix, <laughs> like move, moving forward, because you're looking at, you know, these deals like Chris Paul's on a long term deal, Devin Booker just signed that max deal. You know, he just, um, uh, DeAndre Aiden just signed a deal, Kevin Durant just signed the extension that the, the yeah. Suns. So in theory, you have a core for the next two plus years, which is exciting, right? right? If you can hold it together. And I think that's kind of the question that I have with Aiden is, you know, will he want more? And I, and I, my eyes go straight to his team is, will his agent be okay with saying I had, you know, one of the top draft picks and he's the number four option in Phoenix, but they're competing for championships. Yeah. My other question thing with them in the short term is again, and again, I think they're there. Chris Paul is declining. And it's been noticeable this year. And it, well, I'm like, I remember early in the season asking a scout friend of mine, I'm like, am I just seeing this? I mean, did the numbers say it? My eyes are telling me this, but like, it's Chris Paul. So maybe I should ask, I'm going to ask around because he just, his game ages well because it's IQ based, but it is catching up with him. I think the window for them with this core group is probably this season, next season. And I'm not sure about after that. Yeah, I'm not I, sure. I, I think the window is really tight for these guys, which means the role players they've got have to step up or they have to round go and get them. Um, they'll, they'll pick up a little help off the buyout market or whatever, but more this summer kind of 
choose wisely to put shooting and the right players some defensive players around these guys because they are going to miss they're going to miss Bridges. Bridges, for, for, he is not a franchise player, but he is an all defensive player. You are going to miss that point of attack defender. Crowder was, you know, look, Crowder was gone in this deal and he didn't play for them this year, but I mean, that's a lot of defense out the door. Cam Johnson is just long and athletic. Um, they're going to have to find a way to get stops and then go get some guys who can help them get stops and puts that. If Aiton wants to excel, if Aiton wants to establish himself, he needs to be the rim protector, paint protector they need at this point if they're going to contend. He's got he's got to anchor that defense right now for them. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting. You know, I think about the historic Phoenix Suns team, and we just just think recently, you know, Steve Nash, Mar Stoudemire, you kind of have that in the second coming here, and Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiden. But even that pairing was not strong enough to you know to win the championships. And now you have shooters, you have guys who are great in isolation, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. But like you're right, I, I wonder what that that chemistry is and how they accept that role. And then what moves that does Matt Ishbia and company make? I love how we're throwing in the owner. Cause like, you know, I, I was reading an article about this and, and he was the one who kept pushing for this, you know, even that night where it didn't look like it was going to happen. He sent the text to the GM saying, can we just try one more time? So I am curious to see just how hands-on he'll be. Um, but yeah, if they can figure out what to do around the edges of that, um, cause they lost so much of that core. They could be interesting, but you're right. The window is so short and Chris Paul, it, it, it's, it's fair. Cause that, that criticism is very fair. The Phoenix Suns have been so good recently, and this year I, there are moments when I'm thinking, where are they? Yeah. Where, are, where are the Suns? You know, like the Grizzlies leapfrog them. It kind of reminded me of the Utah Jazz a bit. Remember the Utah Jazz were sitting right number one. They're sitting right over to the top of the West, and, and then they got leapfrogged by the Suns. And then now the Suns got leapfrogged by the Grizzlies. And then Denver, slowly but steadily, you know, it's nice. it helps when you have a back-to-back MVP. So yeah. I, I think this season, the Suns haven't been that impressive to me. And that's why I think this midseason ad doesn't do much, in my personal opinion. You know, I think it's going to get you, obviously, Kevin Durant win you some games, but I don't think it gets them back to where they were even a couple of years ago. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know, kissing under the bridge of size guarantees eternal love because you're the long distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15 discount not applicable to partner operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do you think about Brooklyn? So Brooklyn, I, I, I watched. <laughs> i I watched that game against the 76ers. and I thought Brooklyn is doing everything right. Like I mean, everything right. Joe Harris is shooting lights out. Mikel Bridges is playing out of his mind. You know, I'm like. Yeah. Nick Claxton doing his thing. I mean, everyone was playing yeah. so well. 
and the Philadelphia 76ers were not. And I was thinking if I was calling this game, because I, I do some college basketball analysts, I was like, if I'm calling this game, I would say, Brooklyn, enjoy the first quarter, right? Enjoy it because come fourth quarter, like the 76ers are going <laughs> to have Joel Embiid and James Harden to close out games. Who do you have, Brooklyn? So yeah. enjoy it. The 76ers weren't even playing well. And they, it was still a five-point game, two-point game. And I was like, man, Brooklyn, this is the best you can, yeah. this is the best punch you can throw. We still got the fourth quarter. And then nonetheless, you know, Joel Embiid comes in and takes over and shows you why he's Joel Embiid. And I'm like, this is this is Brooklyn just write it off. This is a tough season. Rebuild, move on. Yeah, it's an interesting rebuild, though. I think it's a rebuild on the fly. A, they did a good job getting not only picks from the Suns, but in by the way, Brooklyn basically just reshaped the Western playoff race by sending out Kyrie to Dallas, who is now I look, their defense is horrible. I don't think they can win it all this year. But I think they can win any given playoff series with Kyrie and Luca being a problem. Like, and they're probably, you know, they'll be a top six seed. They'll be in there. Um, for Brooklyn, though, because you don't own your own picks through 2027, they all belong to the Rockets either through – they just belong to the Rockets or swap rights from the James Harden trade. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Um, you can't bottom out and get better. You can't like, hey, we're just going to trade bridges and and – Claxton and everybody for picks and bottom out and get a bunch of picks and come back up a la Oklahoma City right now or something, or, or you know, the direction we thought Utah is kind of leaning because their picks aren't good enough. They, they don't own their picks. They can't go that way. So it's a rebuild on the fly, but they've got a lot of nice players. They've got, a, we've been listening to them all the time. Like there's a lot of teams that like Cameron Johnson. There's a lot of, they're going to get a lot of calls about Mikhail Bridges this summer, you know, and on down the line. If you pick your spots with that, bringing back picks and players, you, it's just a rebuild on the fly. But ultimately, you're right. They have to go. They went all in on the superstars. Now they've kind of got to find a way to use these role players to put themselves in position to get another one somehow. Uh, that's what they did the first time. Yeah. That's they also they have the advantage of their Brooklyn, right? Yeah. If you set up the system, it is still New York. It is still a place you could get stars to come. Um, this isn't, you know – this isn't Orlando where we're going to have to draft them. Like you, yeah. you get guys to come. I I, I, com- I completely agree. When I think about the two New York teams, the Knicks and the Nets, you have a lot of guys who are good players, you know, in the sense of like role players to like, I would say up to Drew Holiday type of level. So like you would have not alphas, so not ones, not one A's, but the guys surrounding the, the ones and one A's. Yeah. Like you guys, I think both those teams are loaded with guys who, you know, can add value. The reality is that both those teams, like when it comes fourth quarter, who takes over the game? And and I don't think anyone on the Nets roster can consistently do that. And I don't think anyone on the Knicks roster can consistently do that. And that is just a fact in the NBA. There are very few people who can do that. And the ones who are, who can do that consistently are going to be in the Hall of Fame and they win championships. So that that is the thing that both those teams are missing. But you're right. The thing that they have that I, I think... Brooklyn did the first time, and then now with the New York Knicks, what they you know with Leon Rose, what they're trying to do is I think emulate Brooklyn pre Kyrie Kevin Durant is build that core and show people, hey, we're an attractive free agency destination, and we're in New York, huge market. Come to us and take us to the next level. And so they, the thing is, Brooklyn just missed. You know, they they went for KD and Kyrie. They have to be smarter next time. Uh, but I think it's very good that Brooklyn went back to the old ways because. Back you know, pre-2019, they were like one of the best front offices in the NBA because they're making good decisions consistently and developing they, players. I think the other thing they learned from all this, and maybe the Knicks have figured this out too, is that 
they built a culture of hard work and nobody, it, look, it was selfless basketball under Kenny Atkinson and nobody was bigger than the team, whatever. And then they completely shifted that. Like the culture changed with the arrival of Durant and Irving. And look, superstars are treated differently. The culture changes a little, but it can't totally change. Again, back to all of LeBron in Miami. And I don't know about this Spolster guy. Go sit down. Eric Spolster is the coach, right? right? You know, like there has to be a level of that. The Spurs, your Spurs were fortunate because there aren't Tim Duncans. There are not Tim Duncans who get in line, right? Or, or not yeah. get in line, but you, or who get coached hard, who get coached who, hard, who want to be coached hard, who want to be team players. That's the, the, the Steph Curry's a little of that. Like those guys are the exception to the superstar rule. And so you've got to find a balance there. Yes. So now let's move on to Corey's jukebox. My, oh, yeah. I guess my, my jukebox. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was just about to do that transition and say we were talking about the Suns. Let's talk about the Suns and Corey's jukebox. I know it's so hard. Like I said, like it's it's almost like it's so hard not to talk about them because they are intriguing. And uh, but for my for my song, I I did "Oops, I Did It Again" by Britney Spears. Um, and and the reason why is because of what the Suns gave up here. I, I think it reminds me a lot of what the Nets did. You know, you had a really good system, really good core, and then you end up trading everything away to get, you know, Kevin Durant and company and James Harden and all these guys uh, in order to compete for a championship. But you realize, you know, one, you only that core only played like 16 games together due to injuries and all sorts of other things, you know, non-basketball related um, stuff. So, so what ends up happening is it's not a deep enough team. And I think what the Suns had that was so brilliant is that they had a deep team. And then now you trade away all that stuff to do the exact – to repeat the same mistake that, that, that the Nets did. So to me, that was like a little bit of a oops, you know, same guy with Kevin Durant, same type of mistake. I do think that um, the difference here is that they're anchored by Chris Paul. But I will say that I do have an issue with the veterans you know, in the NBA just because I don't necessarily believe this generation of veteran. Um, I, I'm always asking myself. I always think that it's good to have veteran leadership on a team. But I also think that this is the generation of guys who grew up in a system you know, when they were really young and made a lot of mistakes got kind of far at different times in their career. And then they decided, hey, you know, I'm going to go do what's best for me and my career and my family and my legacy. Then they go join a super team. And then they end up doing these shorter deals with max amount of money, which how can you blame them? You know, it's like, it's great. It's great for them and their, and their families and their legacy. And then they just kind of hop around. And I'm thinking, okay, well, how does that veteran leadership really add value to a, a young group of guys versus like really kind of, have them go the same path you went, you know? And like, and I, and I, so that's kind of my issue right now with this Suns team. I'm like, it seems, yes, you're adding veteran leadership. Yes. You're adding championships and yes, you're rooted by, you know, Chris Paul and Kevin Durant, but I, I feel like you kind of made, you kind of made the same mistake the rest of the league is making thinking, Oh, like in LA, we'll bring in Carmelo Anthony who's another guy, a veteran had tons of like experience, tons of accolades, but like, what does that veteran experience really bring to the locker room? Russell Westbrook, same thing. Like MVP, all this stuff took the team to the final. It's like, but what does that really bring to the locker room? Like, so that's kind of what I'm. I'm a little skeptical of the move by Phoenix, which I know is a hot take. So that's my that's no, my. Take. I, I, they have brought in a super. They've had they had Charles Barkley. They brought and they didn't they didn't win with him. So it's interesting that, that you go that direction though, because I think 
if not anointed, at least put on the par with anybody in the West the second the trade happens. So. I know, I know. This is like I said, it's very, it's a very hot take. But I, I'm just, I, I've seen a lot of basketball, and I was going back in the in the old days, man. You know me, I'm on the on the archives. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the archives, some of these teams, some of these super teams from the '70s and '80s and '90s. Like when you look at some of these rosters, you're like, how how does it like how does a team with Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, and like Scottie Pippen, like how do they not win? You know, like like these, it's just like. And, I, and I'm starting to realize that we're in that same age. It kind of hit me like a eureka moment. I was like, oh, my goodness. They're going to say the same thing about this in 20 years. You're telling me you had a Phoenix Suns team with Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, DeAndre Aiden, and they couldn't win? Or you're telling me there was a Brooklyn Nets team with Ky- Ky- Kyrie Irving, James, Hart, James Harden, and, and Kevin Durant, and they didn't win? Like, it's going to be the same type of thing? And it's like, oh, you're telling me this Lakers team had Dwight Howard, and Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and they didn't win. And it's like, yeah, I did because these guys are in their mid thirties, early thirties, and you know they're past their like they're past their building a team around prime, and they're bringing in this veteran leadership. Like I said, that I don't know how much it really adds value. And uh, like I said, history has shown that that doesn't necessarily lead to championships. By the way, you were spot on about that. The if you go back and look at the history of the in recent years of these all-in superstar moves, they they tend not to have paid off more often than not. So Yeah, I mean, there was a time, too, like this is what I'm saying with the Phoenix Suns. I'm curious because, remember, there was this huge trendy movement in the NBA, all these, like, former top draft picks signing veteran minimums to go, you know, chase championships with the Nets and chase championship with the 76ers. You know, I'm like, okay, well, how many top, you know, draft picks in their early 30s, like, you know, Blake Griffin or Dwight Howard, like, you know, how many of those type of players are we going to see just randomly join Phoenix in free agency, you know, trying to go or take a veteran minimum deal, get a buyout, try to join the team. And like I said, it's just, I don't know if history has been kind to those kind of moves. Next up, Utah. This one is, is a, is a pretty quick one. I wanted to bring in fleet foxes to the pod. That's kind of the only reason. And, and I thought, okay, well, <laughs> and I thought, well, fleet foxes, that whole music is so like Salt Lake city. So Utah, you know, it's so mountainy and stuff. And uh, they have a great album. It's it's three separate songs, I guess, and they're all um, and they're all like it's like a movie. It brings you through this narration of like a journey. All their music is like that. They're very segmented and they're like almost like reading a book. Uh, and this song, "I Am All That I Need," Arroyo Seco and Thumbprint Scar is the one I chose for this Utah Jazz team. You know, they got Russell Westbrook. And you know, they have Laurie Markkinen. And I was thinking, well, what do you do in that scenario? I would have. That's just me, you know. You, you know what I thought about that yeah. whole thing, and and so I'm like, okay, well, you're clearly in a rebuild position. You know, you have like three different arcs. The first arc of the season was, hey, you know, it's a new era, and we're not gonna bottom out, which surprised most of us. Second one, you know, is this trade deadline where it's like, okay, now you got Russell Westbrook. What are you gonna do with Russell Westbrook? And you kind of committed to Laurie Markin and you kind of said he's off limits, you know, trade wise. And Laurie was like, I've never been a guy who's like a no trade guy. This is awesome. <laughs> and then you have Walker Kessler too. So then you're, so you kind of have like your core that you believe in and you're saying these guys are off limits. And then I think the next season, uh, the third part of the song will be the summer and like what they do to actually, you know, we'll see some concrete moves. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're going to see them be a lot bolder over the summer. They, they at the deadline tipped their hand, right, with the trades. They they showed you where they were. I think that everybody was caught off guard by the 
was it 10 and three start or 10, four start, whatever they had to start the season kind of threw them for a little bit of a loop. But now, uh, now you see where they're headed. Westbrook will not play in Utah with, I mean, he could theoretically, but considering the history with him and the Utah jazz fans, I find it highly likely that he, uh, that he sticks around whether he, I'm curious where he ends up though. I know Chicago is considered a front runner. I'm curious where that, who picks him up. Yeah. And you could remember John Wall was paid lots and lots of money to just not play, not like, like just to hang out in Houston. And now he's back in Houston, but you know, like with Russell Westbrook, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, do you just stay at home and just collect your $47 million and just do whatever you need to do? I don't, I don't season? think that's off the table. I don't think that's like, who knows? So anyways, those are kind of my songs, but I think we're seeing three in this one season. And I'm talking from the start of the season to the start of next season. Like that is the song. There are going to be three distinct movements, and it's a whole narration, like a whole story, like a novel that you read in Utah right now, the origins, if you will. And um, and I think we're we're squarely in the second song, and I don't know if I like the tune, <laughs> but, but whatever. <laughs> Let's move on to your corner, Kurt. So uh, what are we talking about today? We have a lot of stuff happening this weekend with All-Star Weekend. Yeah, we do. I mean, I will be out there in Salt Lake City where – Look, I don't like to go to 30-degree weather if I'm not skiing. I'm a Southern California kid, but we will be in Salt Lake City for a few days. Um, And then, look, we've talked about this, Corey. The All-Star Game is the All-Star Game. Um, I was glad to see De'Aaron Fox and and, uh, the the, the replacements that got in because I thought those were appropriate. Uh, I don't know how they left Pascal Siakam off the first time. All that said, you and I have talked about this. Saturday is better than Sunday. Like, as a viewing experience, I would rather watch the Saturday events. So, Let's talk a little bit about those, and that starts with the Skills Challenge, uh, which is a team thing now over the last two years. This year, it's Team Antetokounmpo, so Giannis Antetokounmpo and his brothers, Theonis, um, Theonis and Alex. Uh, Alex is the easiest one of those to pronounce. Um, then um, it's the rookies. To, uh, I know Paolo Bancaro and uh, I, Jade Ivey. Yeah. And then uh, the the third team is jazz players because they're at home. So it's uh, I think it's Markson and Clarkson and uh, I'm forgetting who the Kessler, the Walker Kessler. Yep. Um, I if would you like to make a prediction on that? Because I don't. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I'll say the Antetokounmpo brothers. I mean, they're they're. I mean, Giannis is so competitive. That's one thing I love about Giannis is that it doesn't yeah. matter what he does. Like he gives every like yeah. he's like. He gives every bit of it. So I feel like everyone else kind of might like walk into it. And I feel like Giannis is not taking this lightly. I feel like he's no, going to walk. No, no, he's going to fire his brothers <laughs> up, dude. Like they, they, they were so excited. It was fun to watch them play together for the Greek team, uh, mm. national team, because you could see how much they just loved getting to play together. And that's not something you get to do in a professional world where the stakes are different and, and you don't have the control to set things up. So they were enjoying it. Then we move on to, Corey, you and I have discussed it, our favorite part of Saturday night now, right? Yeah, the three-point contest. Corey, it is a stacked field um, with big-name stars, Jason Tatum's shooting, uh, uh, Damian Lillard's shooting. Uh, there's big-time names here. But running through that list, Corey, who did you like? Is there, did you have a prediction? Did you look through that list and say, that guy? Yeah, Damian Lillard. I think he's going to go take it take it home. I, I know Buddy Heald, he's a sharpshooter. Yeah, kind of hero, which is very exciting. But for me, I'm like, it's, it's Damien's contest to lose. What about you? Uh, he is. It's funny. I would put him second just because nobody – of of all those players, 
great shooters. And like, this is what the fun part of this contest, Laurie Laura Markinen's in there. Lillard's just clutch. Lillard yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a clutch. It's like, it's like, it's clutch. It's like the whole Larry Bird thing where you come in, it's like, yeah. which of you guys is getting second place today? It's like the whole contest is, is clutch. It's all Dame time. That's why I mean, like, it's going to be very yeah. difficult to beat Dame in a contest of who's the most Dame time guy. It's like, well, Dame is the guy. I was talking with a scout friend of mine about like the fact that there is this clutch award this year and like, where should I be looking? And then, and you know, just since it's new and I'm trying to figure things out, I'm bouncing ideas off of, of people that I trust. And, and we got talking, we're like, and if this had existed for the last 10 years, Damian Lillard have four of them. Yeah, LeBron. He'd have a bunch of these. Um, I will say, though, I was just sneaky pick Kevin Herter. Everything oh, yeah. is going right for the Suns this year. He is a sharpshooter, sharpshooter. Um, it just feels like with, uh, with the Suns, I'm sorry, with the uh, Kings this year, everything's just kind of rolling. This just feels like the kind of year something goes right for the Kings here and they get something on, uh, you know, they they got De'Aaron Fox and Sabona, you know, into the All-Star game. And now um, I like the idea of Kevin Herter stepping up and winning this thing. So I'll take him. But it is – there's seven guys in this field who could win it. It's been by far the one to highlight. I will say this, though. I, I am curious. I don't know if you've been watching the NHL, what they've been doing recently. You know, the NHL doesn't lead, I think, you know – I think they're not like the leaders by, by any stretch of the imagination as far as American sports leagues are concerned. However, they do have a very interesting model. They started letting the uh, women's professional hockey player like start started competing alongside the men's at these all-star weekends. And it is like sweet. I don't know if you watch some of those like penalty shootouts or like the skating yeah. challenge. Like if you put Allie Quigley in this three-point contest, oh, like, three, you know what I'm saying? Like that to me, I understand that the seasons are different, but if there was a mixture here of WNBA and NBA celebrating and you allow, like, you know, like Allie Quigley would take this field. Like, she's like one of the purest shooters. Like, so anyway, that's kind of my take. Is, I, like, I, say, I, I don't think people realize sometimes how good the WNBA player, these women are. And I, I, I think one of the eye opening moments for me was way back during the NBA lockout um, a decade ago. And I'm uh, at impact facility out in Las Vegas where a lot of guys were going to, it was a, trendy training place. So a few of us went out there just to talk to players because there was nothing else going on. Um, they're running a pickup game in this facility and Teresa Witherspoon and a couple other WNBA players at the time who were trying to come back from injuries and were training there, jumped in this just pickup game with NBA players. They can hang. Absolutely. Like absolutely can hang. Like, it, you know, it was, it was one of those moments you're like, man, you just, Sometimes you space out on just how good these players are. And, yeah, you could drop them into the shooting contest or the skills contest. If you put a WNBA team in the skills contest. Well, yeah, if I remember correctly, my dad was in the skills contest one time with Becky Hammond, and I think they won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Becky, Becky's, Becky certainly has, has, has skills there and has done, done okay as a WNBA coach. <laughs> first in winning a title. Um, and, then, and then going and – Putting together one of the two super teams in the it's going to be a fun WNBA season. Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, but we'll save that one for another day. Then, of course, comes the dunk contest. Um, not as big a names, but some really great athletes. Jericho Sims out of the Knicks, I think, is the betting favorite right now. He's he's interesting. Matt McClung, who has just signed with the Sixers, he, he was listed as a G League guy. The Sixers just gave him a two way. Um, I, I, is there someone else? You anybody there jump out at you? I'm not quite sure what to expect. 
No. Uh, so it will be a surprise. Yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful that it's entertaining. That, it's, at the end of the day, some years, some years you get, you know, I don't know that we're ever going to get, like the, the one great throwback year when it was Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon in one of the all-time greats. And I don't, you know, once every 10 years, maybe we get one of those, but I just, I don't know. We'll see. I, yeah. and again, it's just like, who would you want to see doing this? What would get you excited about? Yeah, I told you. I, I, to me, the dunk contest, not like, a, oh, let's, you know, welcome people into the league, kind of like what let's like yeah. kind of christen these new generations of stars or whatever, or, or you know, kind of like, it's, it's not like a, to me, I want to see the best players in the NBA dunk, like a pickup game. Because, you know, back in high school and stuff, that was what we did. You know, we'd go to the gym, you know, like an, like an open gym on a Saturday or whatever. You know, and then, like, the guys would, you would, like, have a dunk contest. Like, people were just like, okay, like, you know, just dunk. Can you do a windmill? Can you do whatever? Like, you just go to the gym and you want to see the best players on the team dunk. Um, and that's kind of what I feel like is it's the most exciting thing in warmups is when you see Zion do a sweet dunk. You're like, man, this is great. Like this, you know, like, so to just get back of like, what is the essential part of basketball is you go to the pickup, like you go to New York, you go to one of these playgrounds and you just yeah. like watch people do sweet stuff. Uh, for me, I would like to see the best players in the NBA in this competition, you know? So that would be like John Moran and like LeBron. And like, I want to see like, you know, I want to see Jason Tatum. I want to see, you know what I'm saying? I want to see like Zion. I want to see all of like the franchise players like go head to head like they used to in the 80s. Yeah. And that's, I think this, there was a time when the legacy part of your life, I mean, Kobe won the thing and obviously Jordan and Dr. J and Dominique Wilkins, like part of your legacy, I won the dunk contest was like something somebody wanted on the resume and it's just, for whatever reason, it is not anymore, and that's too bad. Well, I think it's because I think the game has changed so much, you know. And like, you know, there was a time when basketball wasn't a vertical sport. I think Bill Russell introduced the the concept of verticality into the sport of basketball. I think you told me that one time. Yeah, and it's yeah. true, you know. Like people didn't like when they, they were, people weren't blocking. People didn't, wouldn't jump. It was bad. To, like it was. It's like a coaching faux pas to tell your guys to like leave the floor when you played basketball. Like at one point in like the fifties. So you know, you go from that era of basketball, uh, very much you know, a horizontal game to then, you know, this era with like Elgin Baylor and Dr. J and all these guys who were soaring. And then that culminates in Air Jordan, which is, you know, like he was the guy who could levitate, you know, and then after the high flying period, uh, the verticality was maximized. Then you have guys who became shooters, you know, and then now I think shooting, shooting is the new jumping, you know, and so that's kind of why the, the three point contest is so interesting. Uh, and I think that's why you have like, it's a, just a different, the game has changed so much where, I, you know, dunking isn't as, you know, cool or, you know, pivotal to the game as it used to be, which is kind of shocking. You know, it's more interesting for people. Oh, can you hit a half court shot or can you shoot from the logo uh, as opposed to, um, you know, can you do a windmill? Yeah, that's very true. All right. Um, final topic of the day coming from our friend Dan, who was wanted us to talk about the Super Bowl. Not not how you feel as receiver watching that call, but as um I'm not going to go down that road, but talking a lot about the halftime show, which by the way, got better ratings. The ratings jumped by a little over almost 2 million people for Rihanna's halftime show. What did you think of that halftime show? And Corey, who would you like to see doing the halftime show? I think the best halftime shows, cause you know, I, I'm, I'm, I like to research. I'm a nerd. Full <laughs> disclosure. I'm a nerd. So um, in a very geeky thing, I was like, researching all the best halftime shows you know i think lady gaga 
and you two probably are the two best halftime shows I've ever seen. I went back and saw, um, you know, Chorus Princes was really great. Yeah. I don't think it's better than Lady Gaga's. But yeah, so for me, like those three would probably be in the past 20 years, the best halftime show. I, I did not think that this one came close to, you know, the best one that I've ever seen. I will say, however, that this halftime show reminded me of what happened in supermodeling back in the 90s. You know, there was a time, I think it was 91 Versace, where um, George Michael just released Freedom. And um, he was like apparently one of the biggest stars in the world at that time. I wasn't born. So yeah. apparently he was one of the biggest stars in the world. And then and he was one of the biggest stars in the world at the time. Thank you. I was just reading up on it and I was like, cause I, you know, I know who George Michael is, but I was just like, I didn't understand how big he was. You know, apparently he was like really big, you know, he was huge. It was, so, he was, so he, if not the biggest artist in the world right there. He was, um, I'm trying to think it, we'll go with Harry Styles in the sense he left the band to have the bigger solo career, that type of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, Wham was huge. And then he did the solo. So, yeah, perfect analogy. So, so George Michael was the dude, right, apparently at this time. And he was, did this, this music video with all these supermodels. And you have to understand the history of modeling is not one where it's like today we think, oh, a model is like, it's like an influencer, right? Like, you know, he or she is like, is the reason why you would buy a product because Kurt, you know, uses this shampoo. Kurt uses this, you know, this shampoo is brand. not necessarily the best case call for me just for the moment. okay <laughs> Kurt, Kurt, wears, Kurt wears these Notre Dame hats I want to wear a Notre Dame hat you know so so but you know so that's but that's not what modeling used to be modeling used to be very very strict in the sense that like you were like you had a certain body type and it was to show off the clothes like you were a walking hanger essentially you know where you were like a walking mannequin a mannequin that could move and just show people hey this is how the clothes fall this is how the silhouette looks and like do you want to buy the garment or not it was very trade show and then with the with the advent of Linda Evangelist Alista going on these um, covers with different hairstyles, that was when everyone was like, "Oh, like the model is more important than the clothes." And then you had like the supermodels, and then all the supermodels were in this George Michael video, and it was the the the, the first confluence of pop culture that was like mega pop culture, Harry Styles lover pop culture, mixed in with modeling um, that then like catapulted like the fashion world into like pop and vice versa pop into fashion no one was interested you know before that and then you know now you can understand why you see like you know people like rosalia do it performing at like louis vuitton's show in, in paris because now that is so normal to us you know like yeah. Pharrell is a new cre creative director that would never have happened you know 30 years ago so but now it's super normal and like the two worlds are very much intertwined largely because of that george michael video i think long way to say i think this whole rihanna thing with the super bowl is that, you know, like fashion people and, you know, people who aren't necessarily into football would watch it because of Rihanna. And I think it's the perfect confluence of those two worlds. Very reminiscent of George Michael and, uh, and that supermodel video. Yeah, I, I'm not sure who I want to see be in the Super Bowl. I'm not, I, that's not my, that's your wheelhouse more than mine. I will say halftime, I think though, you're going to like halftime at the All-Star game in, this week, this year. A, pregame before the All-Star game, a performance from didn't know. I'm like, man, they're not going to be able to find a local Utah star, right? Like, who's your local? Turns out Post Malone is from Utah. Oh, yeah. So Post Malone's doing pregame. Halftime, though, Afrobeats with Burnaboy. Wow. Wow. He's, a, he's a very famous. Yeah. So that's, that is the, that is the halftime act this year, which I'm kind of look, I'm looking forward to. I think that's going to be a really fun, great kind of modern departure from 
I don't know. That's the kind of thing that the NBA can pull off because of their demographics, but also with the Super Bowl, man, you have to get Rihanna level, you know, Perry. You have to have these ginormous names, and there are only so many of those. So um, yeah. I think the NBA can be a little more adventurous. This is a good one. Yeah, I think if I had to pick someone, I would I would choose like, you know, a singer songwriter. I would do do the exact opposite of what the Super Bowl has been. Like I was just researching like MTV Unplugged. And when John Bon Jovi, you know, was like they did like this award show and you know, they just did like all a couple of their songs uh that Bon Jovi did with like stripped down. And these were like some of the biggest, you know, rock stars in the world, just like two acoustic guitars just singing like Wanted Dead or Alive. Like, that's what I would do for the Super Bowl. I would have, like, one of the biggest acts in the world, like a Billie Eilish or something, just come in and do a completely stripped-down acoustic set, like MTV Unplugged. And, like, people would be so confused. They're like, where are the pyrotechnics? Where are the fireworks? Where is the huge stage? Where are the 100 dancers? It's like, no, no, no. Like, let's just go back to, like, coffee shop level and just, like, blow you away with talent. And I I think that talent over spectacle, I I would really appreciate that level. So I would say an acoustic set – by Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas. That's that would, that's why I want to see play the Super Bowl. Yeah, I love that idea. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> for, all, for all the latest NBA news, articles, and more, watch head over to NBCSports.com/NBA. Check out everything that Kurt and his team are putting out there. Kurt, I can't wait to hear all about All Star Weekend next week. I'm looking forward to it. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of size guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15, discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 